Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 6 of Genesis chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 6 through 8. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of Jehovah God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God amongst the trees of the garden. And I'll stop reading there. Now we know that in the Bible, nakedness points to having one's sins exposed to the eyes of God. That is, now there is no covering for sin. And, and of course, this is the very first sin. Adam and Eve were naked in innocence, uh, physically, before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But now they know evil through the experience of disobeying God. And immediately they realize they're naked. And the first thing they do is they they uh, go to work to cover their nakedness. That that's the point of sewing fig leaves together and making themselves aprons. They feel exposed. They they feel open. It, it is their wrong. It is the guilt, the shame of the error their tremendous transgression that they have committed in breaking the law of God that is making them feel naked. And also, their understanding that they are naked now causes them to want to cover their nakedness, to conceal it, to hide it, to do something so that they are not naked any longer. And what they decide to do, and this all would have been instinctive in now man's fallen state. In Adam and Eve's fallen condition, they instinctively feel naked and they instinctively want to cover their nakedness. They could have been near a fig tree or perhaps the fig tree had the best leaves according to them for making an apron, but whatever it was, they took some leaves off a fig tree, sewed them together, and made themselves aprons. And what what did they do, actually, when they sewed these fig leaves together to make themselves aprons? What were they involved in doing? And the answer is, they were involved in work. 
they had to do some work to obtain the leaves, to somehow sew them together, and to fit them for themselves, and to make these aprons. They perform some work. And that's very important for us to note, for us to realize concerning sin and man's instinctive reaction to cover his sin. And how does he cover his sin? Through works. And God tells us in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And a work of the law is really any attempted obedience in regards to a commandment of God. And man has developed all kinds of works throughout the history of the world in order to cover his sins, to make his sins go away, to make them disappear, to satisfy this probing um, eyes of, of an angry God and and as as man realizes deep down that God sees his sin, God knows he's a sinner. He, man knows deep down that he's in trouble with God, that he has offended God and and brought the wrath of God upon himself. And as a result of this spiritual condition of being a sinner under the wrath of God and having one's sins naked and open unto the eyes of God, man develops all kinds of coverings for his sin. And these coverings are put into place through works, through works, other religions, and they come up with their own kind of a God. Deep down, again, in their subconscious, in the heart that God has written his law within them, they know they've offended God, they've transgressed, they are guilty. And so they make a God in ancient times of wood or stone. They they deck the wood with gold or silver. They plate it. And they form their God, they bow down to it, and then they develop criteria for which this God can be appeased, that this angry God can have his anger satisfied, maybe even through the offering of one of their own children. Whatever it is, they develop a works system of satisfaction Towards the angry God, they then go about to perform the work. And and it's the way of all religions of the world. You perform certain deeds, and this 
is the work that makes you right with that particular deity and and therefore you have covered your sin. Well, with the true gospel of the Bible, God gives commandments in the Old Testament concerning sacrifices and concerning many laws. And he also did the same with the New Testament. God gave laws. And one of, one of the laws of the New Testament is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, the New Testament believers, having more understanding, a better understanding than the Old Testament side of the cross, because God opened up more scripture after the cross, well, they realize, well, we, we can't get right with God through sacrifices or through keeping the law regarding baptism, or, or they should understand that, but some fail to understand that, or they just have a better understanding that you cannot get right with God in keeping law. And Galatians 2.16 is a good verse to show that. No man is justified through the works of the law. Yet they have such a confused understanding of faith that they think if I keep faith, if I believe according to the commandment of God, and uh, let's be clear that when the Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus, that is a commandment. God very directly states that in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. It's the same word where if God were talking about um, thou shall not kill or thou shall not commit adultery or thou shall not commit sacrilege or idolatry, it is a commandment of God that you believe, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But because of the Bible's language regarding faith and the general confusion on that subject of uh, the theologians down through the centuries, the church has developed the wrong notion that, um, oh, no way can you get right with God through keeping the commandments of the Bible. That would be being justified by works or through the law. But you can get right with God by by believing in Jesus, by accepting Christ, because the Bible says believe. And if you believe, then uh, you you will be saved. And they, they don't see the problem. They don't see that that's a commandment to believe. They don't understand that God has says this is his commandment that we should believe and that it's a law of God. The law is thou shalt believe. Now, God gives many laws. Again, the Ten Commandments and and some are negative and some are positive, but they are all commandments of God. 
And no man is justified through keeping the commandment, even though the Bible allows the possibility that if someone were to keep the commandments of God perfectly, they would be justified. At least that is a truth. That is what the Bible says, that it's only if you fail on one point that you're guilty of all. If you don't fail, then you would live. But the enormous problem with man is he's spiritually dead, and therefore it's an impossibility to keep the law of God regarding all these commandments of God that are throughout the Bible, including the commandment to believe. But church theologians, the church leaders, the pastors, the elders, the deacons, and the overwhelming number of people that populate the churches themselves have a mistaken idea that they can get right with God or have their sins covered through keeping this one law, just this one, of believing. If I believe, I'm saved. Well, yes, but faith is a work. You're, you're performing a work of faith because a work is obedience or attempted obedience to a commandment of God and God commands to believe. Therefore, your response of belief is a work. And no man is justified in the sight of God by the works of the law. But the Bible tells us in that same verse in Galatians 2.16, we're justified by the faith of Jesus. And that's the big distinction, the big difference between how a person becomes saved. It, it is through faith, for by grace are ye saved through faith. But as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 goes on to say, for by grace are ye saved through faith, but that. Faith is what it's referring to, but that not of yourselves. It's not your faith or my faith or any man's faith that saves. It's the faith of Christ that saves someone. And that way, we're not exercising our faith. We're not trying to keep the law on this point of faith and, and obey God's commandment to believe. No, if we did that, we'd place ourselves under the whole law. And then we would be obligated to keep the whole law of God. No, it is Christ's faith that saved, that saved his elect people and not ourselves. Well, as Adam and Eve instinctively are attempting to cover their nakedness, they're really of setting the pattern that all unsaved people follow in one way or another all down through the history of the world up until our present time people will seek some kind of covering for their sin through other religions other gospels they they will seek to do the work themselves to Cover that nakedness, to cover the the guilt of their sin, the shame of their sin, and to block 
God from seeing their sin. God uh, has this penetrating gaze towards them. And man thinks, well, I have to put something between me and God. I, I have to find some covering somewhere to block that awful, terrible, and, and piercing gaze of an offended God, an angry, wrathful God who's looking down upon me. And what can I put? Now, some people today, more and more people, they're, they're not religious. They're secular. They're agnostic or atheist. And what of them? And what of their sins? Aren't they trying to cover their sins in some way from God? Well, how could they when they say there is no God? Well, you see, really, it it's going about it in a slightly different way, but it, it's achieving the same results as the man who attempts to cover his sins from God, who he recognizes. Well, these people attempt to justify and to cover and to rid themselves of their sins by doing away with God himself. If there's no God above, then there's no one looking down at them and seeing their sins naked and open and exposed. And if there's no God, there's no guilt. There's no commandment that's been broken. Therefore, no guilt, no shame. They're seeking justification for their lifestyle, for the way they want to live, and they want to do whatever they want to do. Typically, the the natural-minded man, the, the secularist, the person who says there is no God, he, he wants to be able to live his life as he or she pleases, according to their own dictates, their own guidelines. They'll do what they want to do. And they are not troubled about a God because they say there is no God to see my sin. It's just another way of covering sin, of making that which is evil good. If there is no God, there is no law that's been broken, no transgression, and therefore how can anyone be evil or how can anything be bad? All is what you make it. it it's all what you want it to be. Well, here, again, historically, Adam and Eve, I'm sure, had no idea that they were performing an illustration of of what uh, all later generations of men would do in order to attempt to uh, either appease God or cover their sins or escape from that gaze of the eyes of God. They just felt naked right away, and God's the one who gave them that feeling because God is the one who makes that identification in many different places in the Bible concerning nakedness and sin. Nakedness and sin. Nakedness points to sin, and it requires a covering. And and later, God would lay out the covering, uh, actually later in this chapter, but also later in the Bible, God will lay out a proper covering, a biblical covering, 
a God-approved covering for sin, and that will be the covering of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible will refer to Christ's righteousness as a garment, as something that covers and and conceals the sins of man. And that will come later on. But right now, Adam and Eve are not waiting for God. They're, they're going to take care of the problem themselves. They sin, and now they're going to just make that go away through covering themselves with fig leaves. But let's look at some of the words here. First, it says they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. The Hebrew word translated as sewed is 8609, and it's used in some interesting places. We're, we're just going to look at one in Ezekiel chapter 13, beginning in verse 17. It says, Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them, and say, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Woe to the women that sew pillows to all armholes, and the word sew is, is our word, and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will ye hunt the souls of my people, and will ye save the souls alive that come unto you? And will ye pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies? Wherefore, thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Behold, I am against your pillows, wherewith ye there hunt the souls to make them fly. And I will tear them from your arms, and will let the souls go, even the souls that ye hunt, to make them fly. Your kerchiefs also will I tear and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted. And ye shall know that I am Jehovah, because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. And I'll, I'll stop reading there. Now we can see from the context, even though there's some very difficult language here, an unusual language, and, and I don't understand every word that's used, but we can tell from the context that when God is speaking of the daughters of his people, Back in verse 17, and then he says they prophesy out of their own heart. And then he commands Ezekiel to prophesy against them. And we, we can understand that these daughters of the Lord's people, uh, these women that are sewing pillows to all armholes, they're sewing pillows to all armholes that this is related to a false gospel. The figure that God is using of them sewing pillows to armholes, it's connected to promising life 
to those that are wicked. It's connected to telling people that are sinners and in their sin, they will be saved. Just like today, when the churches tell someone that here's what you have to do to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. And then the person says, I believe. Well, hallelujah, brother, you're uh, you've done what the Bible says. And if they don't come right out and say you're saved, there's a very, very strong implication that that person did indeed become saved through the work or through the act of accepting Christ, of believing on Jesus. And this, for all intents and purposes, is the leaders of the church promising them life. Remember this day. And, uh, you know, sometimes when sharing the Bible with people, you encounter all sorts of people from all kinds of churches and denominations. And many times they say, I'm saved. And they'll, they'll tell you, I accepted Christ on May 10th of, you know, 1999. They know the day. They know the day they accepted Christ and that's the day they believe they became saved because they've been promised that. It's like you, you have salvation. Here's your card. Put it in your back pocket. And if anybody ever asks, you can tell them you're saved because you did this work. But that's not what the Bible says. It it definitely is what many churches say. It's what many churches insinuate. It's what they tell their people. It's the promise they give. And and God points this out in the New Testament too. In Second Peter 2, he says in verse 18, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error, while they promise them liberty. And what is liberty? It's freedom. Jesus said, if the Son of Man make you free, you'll be free indeed. This is the liberty that churches promise people. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. They've never became saved. They have oftentimes followed the same erroneous path, the same broad way that will lead to their destruction, and now they've handed it down to others. And as it says of the Pharisees, made them twofold more the child of hell than themselves. It is uh, the tragic truth that the church has no idea what true salvation, what the Bible salvation is, and they share their misconception, their their completely wrong idea of salvation with others, and they follow suit. Well, we'll, we'll have to look at this passage in Ezekiel 13 in our next study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. 
For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.